This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, and when we get sober, they can almost feel magnified at first because we're adjusting to feeling all our feelings again rather than using alcohol to numb them. I was honestly really surprised when I got sober at how many emotions came up for me. I remember literally saying, I have so many feelings right now, and it felt really overwhelming having to feel them all. But the great thing about that is that it gave me the clarity and awareness that I had some things to work through, like people-pleasing and like my own self-talk. That's where therapy can be so helpful because because it's a safe space to get things off your chest and begin to work through what's been weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. What I really love about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com happiest today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash happiest. There are so many amazing perks of being sober, and one of my favorites is that sobriety allows us to take self-care to the next level, and it gives us such a sense of confidence. There's really nothing like feeling confident in your own skin. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, One Skin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. I've told you about how when I got sober, one of my favorite things was starting a skincare routine because that was not something I ever prioritized before, but let's be honest, knowing what the best skincare routine is can be a little overwhelming. That's why I'm excited about OneSkin. There's no complicated routine, no multiple step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code HAPPIEST at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code HAPPIEST. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so freaking excited about this episode. I'm so pumped about it because I'm bringing you a guest. Today we're chatting with Kate Madry. And the reason I'm so excited about this is because I loved this conversation. I genuinely could have talked to her for hours. So Kate had me on her podcast, um, Clear Headed. Definitely go listen to that if you haven't already. Um, But she had me on her podcast uh, in the summertime and she said a few times like our stories are so similar. So I was so excited to kind of get to chat with her about hers and hear more about her story. And we like our stories are so similar that I feel like I learned so much about myself from talking to her like she said certain things that just resonated so much with me and I was like oh my god I've never even thought about it that way but that that feels so true for me for my story as well so oh my god I I could have talked to her for hours I know she has such a crazy month and she had so much going on that day so I was trying to be mindful of the time and when we were creeping up to the hour I was like damn it I want to keep talking to you so anyways I'm excited about this one if you can't tell um Kate is the founder of clear-headed um and right now they're doing something really amazing they're running a dry January pop-up shop in LA so if you're in the LA area definitely make sure that you go check that out But otherwise, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Um, So here's Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I I am (laughs) awake. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. You're, You're three hours behind me, so it's a little bit early 
early in the morning for it you. It is. It wouldn't be if I wasn't go, go, going all the time. Yes. But we'll get into that. I'll explain. We <laughs> will. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. Thanks for coming on, especially in your like hectic month, which we're going to talk all about because you have a lot going on this month. Um, We just had the most fun chat before we started recording and halfway (laughs) through, like we really should have been recording this. (laughs) I know it was really good and insightful. There were a lot of like connectors, but I really feel like you and I have just a lot of connectors that we don't, we, I feel like we just don't even know about. I'm excited to keep learning more and more how we're connected. Our sober date is really similar yeah, and close together. Um, there's just kind of a lot when you were on my podcast, I feel like we just connected on. Yeah. How and that's why I've I been say so connected. no that's why I've been so excited for this because I know that like when you had me on your podcast clear-headed you were like our stories are so similar and now I'm gonna get to hear more about yours which I'm so excited for and our dates are I'm the November 8th you're November 28th 28th 20 days apart so we're both we're coming up to 800 days are we wait we are I'm 800 days on Monday. So 20 days after that, you'll be 800 days. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. I don't look at my day app anymore. It was Mm. such a motivator for me for a long time. And then I just, and I don't know if this happened to you too, or if we maybe even talked about it when you were on my podcast, but at some point it just clicked for me. Like it was like just a fact that I don't drink. It wasn't a Mm -hmm. challenge anymore, which I think is always kind of the goal. Like I think that's the goal is to just immerse yourself in a lifestyle that allows for that to be factual, not going against it. Yeah. And once that clicked, I just didn't look at my day's app anymore I just I feel like, like that's such a milestone when you don't really have to look like for me I love celebrating anything so I always is like it's like really in my head if it's the eighth of the month I'm like oh this is a monthly milestone because I'm just so used to noticing the date Aww, so I find yeah. like when I know I'm gonna be getting close to a new like hundredth then I'll be like I'll open it up out of curiosity more so like where am I yeah. at am I am I close to it kind of thing but like yeah I was the same where in the beginning I checked every day. I would open it every day and like do the little pledge. Like I'm not drinking today and then check it off at night. Like I didn't drink. And that was, do you use that was the, I am sober app. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's awesome. I didn't know that was like an app. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I would. And then like, I would sometimes just scroll them and see all the checked off days. And it was like, so satisfying. Um, But yeah, there was a point. It's cool when you if I look at it now, you can see for probably the first few months, like all these check marks, and then the check marks just stop. But it's not because I'm not it's not because I'm drinking just because I'm not going in and checking checking anymore. Yeah, (laughs) checking in with. Yeah. I use Nomo and I, I don't know that not one. all these cool it's I mean it's super basic it was like the okay. first thing I googled or yeah I like googled like a, a you know an app to stop yeah. drinking yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was just like I need to have a number and I put it in but that's really cool I'm sure that there is like a world of really helpful apps for people to like check in and check in exactly what yeah. you do and like keep track of it I don't know I mean I had a more linear journey so far, Mm. luckily, comparatively to your story, because Mm. if I remember correctly, you had 
stopped and then you went back to try to do mindful drinking and just realized it was not it. Is that I, right? I How kind of like, that? I started off by saying I'm sober curious. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. when like, I did start counting days, but I think like starting off as sober curious was a way that I kind of like dipped my toe into it and let myself try it out. Um, Cause it felt a bit safer than being like, Hey, I'm getting sober now. So within that, like kind of month and a half, I had like four day ones and the fourth day one stuck. And that was when I was like, Hey, like I'm in this, but so did you you have one, one day? I had, I feel like I had, I don't know if this is, it's probably something I should probably talk to my therapist about, but I don't know if you can relate. Like there are parts Mm -hmm. of when I was really, really struggling with it and didn't even know that I was struggling it that I just don't remember. Like I've had to pick up the pieces through like my journal entries and I got down a journal a couple months ago and opened it up because I was cleaning everything out. And so Mm -hmm. I started reading and it was like back in 2018 and it was a journal entry that was like, tonight, I I only had one drink. I'm so proud of myself. I told mm. myself I wasn't going to have anything to drink. And then after work, I had one drink. But I like journaled about it. In wow. 2018. Wow. Had no, I don't know, like I knew I, I knew I didn't like it, but I didn't know it was to the point of where I was like, all the signs are there that you're really not in a good place. If you're like, right. look, look, I only had one. I, cu- I could have had like five shots afterwards, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> that was like a celebration for me, which I think is super valid. And obviously sure. it's still like a celebration to be mindful, but I wasn't using apps like that. Like I wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't download the app. I don't think. Then again, I don't know. I, it's something to talk about with my therapist for sure. Like, do you block out those hard trials or what you I don't know maybe I saw it as a failure that's so so interesting yeah because something I was actually going to ask you is like because am I right in saying that you were do you feel like you were more of like a kind of gray area drinker like how do you I sort of identify if you do yeah what your relationship was with alcohol my relationship with alcohol was toxic and (laughs) Although I don't think I was an alcoholic, I don't think I, I think I was right on track to become one. I think I was that resonates. right there. Yeah. And I, I don't think everybody who drinks is going to become an alcoholic, but I think everybody who engages in a relationship with a substance that is addictive can become mm-hmm. an addict. Yes. There's really no shame in that. I mean, mm-hmm. I read, well, I listened because I have like a very hard time reading. I think I've since been diagnosed with ADHD. So it makes sense. Like I just okay. can't. Anyways, and that whole thing about ADHD and substance misuse is like super connected because there's so much chaos in my brain all the time. Oh, okay. So it was like quieting it down with alcohol was a big, um, when I look back, a big reason that I did that. Mm-hmm. But um, I listened to Holly Whitaker's Quit Like a Woman. And this was when I was getting a lot more serious about not even that I had that I needed to stop drinking, but I was getting, I was taking my 
dependency more seriously. Like I was clocking it a lot more because the repercussions that I was facing emotionally at the point in time and like early to mid 2020 was I was feeling it. I mean, mm-hmm. I was feeling it for a whammy of reasons, but like definitely the fact that we were in lockdown was one of them. Yeah. Um, I had, it was like the first time in my life where I was totally not dating anyone, not seeing anyone, not talking to anyone. And I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. It's like an isolating and time. And I didn't want to. And like the fear of going and meeting somebody or seeing somebody was so one I had never experienced before because of COVID. We mm. didn't know the severity of it and what that could mean. So there was just no, it was just totally different. So I listened to her book and she really goes into how she didn't, she was identified as, as an addict. She mm. was calling herself that and feeling like that was a label, the label she had to call herself in order for people to like understand why she wasn't drinking. And I kind of have my family history with AA and and the 12 step program. And I know that it works for so many people and it's a phenomenal resource because it's free. There's always mm-hmm. meetings. You can j- jump right into a community yep. like any time of day, anywhere you are, especially now because there's online stuff. But I had this like judgment of myself being mm. that. And in her book, she says, like, my friend told me, you know, you don't have to call yourself that. If that's making you feel like you're less than, you have more struggle to overcome, if, like, that's not resonating with you, like, you don't have to say that. You can just not drink. Yeah. And it's, like, no one had told me that before. And, like, no one had told that to her before. And it was, like, I remember I was driving on the freeway and I was, like, oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It was also kind of overwhelming because it was like the permission of that also alleviated the excuse to continue doing the unhealthy things Mm. because I was like, well, if I don't have to identify as an addict and I don't feel like I identify as an addict, but I can still stop drinking and I probably should. Okay. Now I really need to think about how, how I'm going to do that. Yes. Um, so I don't identify as an addict to go back to your question, but I do identify as somebody who could definitely get there. And I think I probably have um, a dependent personality or Mm -hmm. I don't even know. You know, it's so funny. Like, I don't even know that I'm qualified to identify myself. Yeah, I'm still figuring out who I am. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I relate. First of all, I literally had goosebumps all over my body when you were telling that story about like hearing that because that clicked so hard for me too. Like I feel like so often and like, I think that when the question is, am I an alcoholic? It's just the wrong question because when you're asking that question, you're basically what's underneath that question is, do I have to stop drinking? Because like, if I am an alcoholic, then I have to stop. If I'm not, then like, then I don't have to stop. And why should I, you know? Oh my gosh, totally. So like, that's why I'm always like, it's, it's such the wrong question. And I feel like that was the piece that really made things click for me as well was being like, oh my God, I can just, it, that's irrelevant. I can just decide to stop drinking because of how it's making me feel. Um, and I, I also relate to even like you saying like, I don't even really know how I identify because 
I, I have this funny debate with my mom all the time who has been sober for years and years and does identify as an alcoholic. And she, she, she sees my side, but she's also like, well, I think problematic drinking is alcoholism. And we always have this little debate. And yeah. sometimes I even come away just being like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, so know. even just to be like, well, I was on track. I was on track to becoming one like that. That feels kind of true to me. Yeah. And that's, that's not a way I've ever thought of it for I myself think, before. Like the key part that I have tried to learn while talking to so many different people who don't drink for all of their reasons and how they identify, I'm sure you, I mean, obviously you have too. Mm-hmm. I think like at the core of my understanding of mo- what modern sobriety is, is the ability for two things to be true at the same time. It yes. is not a box situation. It is mm-hmm. really truly a fingerprint situation. It is so freaking different for everyone. And I think that I don't, I I think that's where like the, I was on track to be an alcoholic and thank God I had the resources, the privilege, the honor, the yeah. bandwidth, the mindfulness, the resources to stop before I did. That's mm-hmm. not the case for everyone. Yeah, super, absolutely. super, super true in America. Like not the case for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the narrative that we go through every day with that is now changing, thankfully, but for so long has been, if you are, if you don't hit a major rock bottom, then you should probably try to still drink. It's like the most toxic dynamic. It's an Mm -hmm. abusive dynamic and it's like totally, totally cheered on by everyone. Yeah. Everyone from your boss to your family, to your partner to your friends to everyone is cheering for everybody to have this like dating life with booze literally not going out and dating that's a whole other thing but like you're dating alcohol and no matter how abusive it is or how violent it can get or how whatever unless they beat the shit out of you and you can barely walk like you should probably text them back that's like the dynamic that's so true it's just not healthy Yeah. If alcohol was a person and the person was doing the things to me that alcohol was doing to me, mentally telling me, having me experience, making me feel, beating me up, giving me bruises, like doing all that, everyone would say block the number and let's get a restraining order. Oh my God. That's such a good metaphor. It's like you're in an abusive relationship and everyone just wants you to keep going back. Everyone goes, well, have you tried only seeing them on the weekends? Like what? It's not going to Or like maybe if you were nicer. Right. (laughs) Maybe if you just moderated, right? Like Yeah, exactly. It's on you. The blame is always on the person, not on the substance. And I- So well said. I think like that's where, where hopefully we're changing, but it does play into how we label ourselves of like, you don't have to get to that just total dependency and total- and if you do, there's no shame in the fact that, yeah, of course you stayed and tried to stay in a relationship with something that one you thought made you feel good and that everybody mm-hmm. else was cheering you on to stay with. Like, of yeah. course. Of and it's course. just the expectation that that's just like what you do. You're totally. grown up, you drink. like Exactly. 100%. And until you have the tools and until the narrative like really, really changes from the jump. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because I'm doing this pop-up and I'll, I'll, I can like get into that. Yeah. But this mom came in with her kids 
and she was so cool. Her name was Norma. She was like, <laughs> I mean, A1 modern parenting. If the kids were being rambunctious, she would pause from our conversation and turn to them and say, would you guys sit down? Okay, can I be honest with you right now? This energy that you're giving is like not making me feel like we should keep go keep going today shopping. Like, would you like to change that energy, or do you think we should just go home after this? Like, so like wow. heavy communication, like real modern, like thinking and parenting. Yeah. And she turns to them and goes, "Okay, so let me just explain to you because I think you might be confused. Like, why we're here." We're in this shop because at some point in life, you're going to turn the legal drinking age. You totally are. And that is going to seem fun and you can try it and like whatever. But you also need to know that there are so many alternatives out there if you don't want to drink but still want to have fun. And this is a shop that gives you all of those tools. So mommy is shopping for other alternatives so that you can know that it throughout your adult life, you have other alternatives. Oh and my I was God. Like, <laughs> This like full blown shift, yeah. How a parent communicates alcohol and drinking to their child, where it wasn't a you're gonna turn 21 and then you're gonna drink, it wasn't like assumed that that was what was gonna happen, and it was like so cool to observe because I really feel like the more that that happens, you know, the less that you feel like these generations, these younger generations are going to feel like they have to stay in this toxic relationships. They're like, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. I That's so encouraging to hear. Right. Because it does feel sometimes like a little bit like, oh my God, the whole entire world drinks and we're so in the minority and what, totally. like, what a cool thing to literally watch someone like raising their kids in a way, like showing them like an alternative. Right. So cool. I didn't even clock that until right now. Like I watched it, but I was yeah. like, yeah, it's a really, it's the reason why I'm doing it all. It's yeah. the reason why you're doing it all. It's the reason right? why we have conversations and we talk about resources and tools and the possibilities of being happiest, being, yeah. happier, <laughs> being clear-headed, yeah. you know? Right? It's true. So good. Oh my gosh. Okay. I want to go back to like, so you're listening to Holly Whitaker's book. You hear that you realize like, oh my God, I can just stop. Like what was, how was stopping? What was the experience like for you? What was early sobriety? Like, like, um, well, it took seed planting for sure. Like that book lesson was a good realization, but it was also kind of like I mentioned, like it was scary to have this free pass like I didn't have anything Mm -hmm. else to lean on to to tell myself uh no you should still kind of stay in this toxic dynamic so it took a while for me to really like get comfortable and I also had to keep trying Mm -hmm. to prove myself wrong in like a weird way in in the in the in the way of no I can still juggle this I'll be fine sure yeah that's an option but like okay whatever I'm fine And I think it was this, my ego is super involved. And also Mm. just, I have alcohol misuse and alcoholism and substance misuse on both sides of my family. And I really grew up seeing and observing the roller coaster that everyone went on as a result of that. And it was like this mind manipulation to myself to think if the way that I could be different wasn't by 
abstaining, like wasn't by not drinking. It was by like buying tickets, fully intending on going on the roller coaster and then not. So like still drinking and still trying to say like, well, they can't handle it, but I'm different because I can Mm. handle it. Yeah. And it took me a while to see that that was actually, I was on the roller coaster and just like trying to convince myself that I wasn't. And I think that juggle, I mean, I don't even know the timeline, probably like under half a year, maybe a little under half a year is when it really started building. And I think in the last September 8th was my birthday and November 28th is when I got sober. So from then September 8th was really, I was getting to my peak of my messiness internally. Okay. Um, So what was it for you? Was it like, what did drinking do to you emotionally that made you know it was like toxic? I think, well, I didn't understand this at the time. I think because I've reflected and I've had so many of these conversations really, truly like my vice was numbing. Like I just Mm. wanted to be numb. I wanted to turn my brain off. I didn't know how to quiet my ever flowing mind and then mm-hmm. it was like such a deadly combination because when you're hung over that anxiety is real yeah and that's even more noise yeah and so it just kept going 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 and I think to m- more specifically answer your question I think what caused my stress yeah I guess was the numbing because I was so not present and I couldn't remember the things I was doing, what I was mm-hmm. saying, if I was just so unsettling. Yeah. I was just like tarnishing everything. And really, I mean, in the timeline. So my friend Sarah at the time had been friends for like three and a half, four years. And we were part of our little bubble, like our quarantine bubble, where we mm-hmm. were kind of only seeing each other, a few other people, but they were only seeing us. So we were trying to be really mindful, but we were spending a lot of time together and we were drinking a lot because that's, that's what we, we were like, that's all we can do is we could drink. Yeah. I had that mentality in lockdown too. Not true. Like that wasn't (laughs) all we could do. There was a lot of other things, but basically what it, it led to is us falling in love, which was like a total, uh, a total pivot. I didn't make the Um, connection when you brought up the name. (laughs) You didn't make it good. No, yeah. There's Aww. a little reveal. So you yeah. shocked with the listener. <laughs> but um, we fell in love and we fell in love over tequila. And I think, um, I I, I, ha- I guess that's a weird sentence to say because the love was not the tequila wasn't causing the love. I think the tequila was causing at first the vulnerability and kind of the like, Ugh, I even hate vulnerability. The like numbness to be like, I'm going to say whatever I want. The like, yeah, like the, you're, you didn't have a filter. So you were just going to, yeah. And there was a benefit to that was that we could express how we felt. I didn't yeah. overthink it. And I hadn't been with a woman before. I hadn't thought about my sexuality in that way. Really? Ever. Interesting. Look back now and I go, oh my girl. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm, all of your quote crushes in like middle school were women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> tracks. 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 Like this all makes sense now. <laughs> but I had never even I had never even questioned it. Not at all. And I wow. think it goes back into like, I mean, we could have a whole other conversation. Yeah. About sexuality and the assumption 
of like you just do this because everybody else is doing it and uh there's kind of like this stereotype of like the wife pretending to be asleep because she doesn't want to have sex and you see that portrayed and you're like okay Mm -hmm. so like no one really wants to like be with their man partner either and just all of these like thoughts anyways whole other episode but yeah I knew when I fell in love with Sarah that it was so different in my core yeah and I think that scared me and so I started leaning even harder into the tequila Mm. and it turned very quickly into something that was allowing me to have no filter into something that was starting to set off little bombs in the relationship we were trying to build the insecurity the anxiety the Mm -hmm. unassuredness the foggy headedness the like just there was so much and I went to meet her family on Thanksgiving um and got so nervous to meet her family and drank tequila and and just got obliterated and um you know everybody (laughs) I think (laughs) basically what what sparked it is like some some guys were like texting her happy thanksgiving it was so not you can't control who texts you but like mm-hmm. in the drunken insecure vibe that i was in mm-hmm. i was like so upset and i was like how can they text you that and we got into this huge fight in front of her Aww. parents and i woke up the next day and i yeah had a huge hangover but i internally emotionally felt so disconnected from who i know i am yes and who i could be i felt so far away from myself oh i'm going to cry maybe i'm <laughs> and i'm so tired but yeah i felt so that's okay okay. I've been choking back tears for a lot of this combo because I'm PMSing (laughs) 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 but I really I think that was my rock bottom was just feeling like I didn't even like know who I was and and also the duality of knowing exactly who I wanted to be which was like in love and capable of being a good partner and I wanted to show up for this feeling that I hadn't ever had and I didn't want to not allow myself to have that and I just knew like there was just this knowing that I was never I never wanted to drink again it was this so assured feeling and that doesn't mean that it was that strong for the rest of that year I mean the first year is the hardest year but I really really didn't want to be who I was like laying in that bed so hungover and watching all of these ingredients that I had been so lucky to come into to build the perfect life like love and friendship and community and creativity and all of these things that I had like right there I was gonna let them all spoil if I just kept trying to like be numb because I didn't want to deal with the the harder parts of it and I think I just felt like I could either 
I have two roads I can go down. I can either like ruin everything and choose to like stay this absent from my life or I can become present, set down alcohol and try to create like a life that I didn't want to escape from. And yeah. it was a lot of hard work, but I, I think I just, all of the tools and all of the books that I had led, like led me to ask that question besides the question that, you know, you use an example at the top, like, am I an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. It's such a deeper question that has to be asked Yeah. in order, I think for you to like make that, or for me to make that step into a completely different lifestyle. And Sarah and I had obviously had like a fight the night before and Mm -hmm. I went home the next day and we were okay. And I said like, you know, I really, I think I want to like take a break from drinking. That's how I, that's how I worded it. Mm -hmm. And I think I had one half of a beer the next day, which was the 27th and um, then went home that night and did everything besides drink. I wanted to start a business and I rearranged mm-hmm. my room and I cleared out all my kitchen cabinets and I mopped and I magic erasered. And like I did everything that I could to not drink, which was just keep myself busy. I listened to so many podcasts. I read books and it. Sarah went on a 10 day trip with her family to Utah. So she was out. So I was really had like 10 days of being totally alone. Wow. And when she came back, I knew that I fundamentally had to change. Wow. That it was sticking, like that I was feeling better, that I was feeling so challenged, which probably meant that I needed to see this through. That if I was feeling like this is really hard for me to not drink, Mm -hmm. It probably means that I should really try to not drink. And we had a conversation when she got back and I said, I have a problem with alcohol and I want to change my life. And I don't know how you feel about that. And I don't know if that's going to impact you. And she just went, I'm so glad because I do too. And then she got sober. She, that was her sober day is 10 days after mine so we built this relationship I say built loosely on tequila and we have sustained this relationship through sobriety and it's been the best experience of my life and I'm so lucky to have a partner through this and but I do think sometimes when people hear that I just don't ever want it to be confused like we didn't do it for each other we really did it for ourselves yeah. Really, really, really. And then it just so happened that doing the best thing for yourself is doing something, the best thing for your partner, because then you can actually be a good partner and you can actually yeah. be present. Wow. So, yeah. And it really comes through that you were doing it for yourself, like the way you even spoke about it, that like you just felt so disconnected from the person that you are and from the person that you want to be and like, no, you can be like, I totally feel that too. Cause I, I, I totally feel like alcohol completely disconnected me from myself. Like, look at you now and look at me now. I just sometimes think, whoa, or like my phone will pop up pictures from like, oh my God, same here. (laughs) The worst. It's definitely like, but 
but I don't ever feel like shameful of who I was because I know yeah. I was trying my best. I know yeah. that. Oh, that's Not- so important to say. Oh, I know I was trying my best. Um, And now I have the tools to actually be my best. Mm-hmm. And that takes time. It takes time. It takes community. And yeah. I do think like community is so important. But I think where the community really has to start for me, it was with myself. Like, it's not easy to go and have these hard conversations and these honest, raw admissions with people. For some people, it's not easy to walk into an AA meeting and want to, like, stand up and share, label themselves and share or go into a chat room or go to a a Zoom. Like, it's really intimidating. And I feel like because I started building that community within myself, within all the versions of myself, because we have so many, the business version, the fun version, the daughter, the sister, the, the, the romantic person, the creative person, like building community with all those versions of myself internally and getting on the same page and being like, yeah, this is going to benefit me here. I can, I am better than what I am showing right now in this area. And having those, like, whether it's journaling, voice memos, like, Mm. setting a timer and just letting yourself, like, have crazy back and forth in your head for, like, 15, 20 minutes. Like, that's all, I think, just, like, such a good place to start. It's how I started. And then by the time I could vocalize it, I had already said so many things in my head or written it down so many times that it felt less intimidating to say to somebody else. And I could really feel the weight lifted. Wow. I'm like really listening to that. I feel really blown away by the courage in you saying point blank, I have a problem with alcohol and like I need to do something about it because like that's something I like I was not that direct when I did it. I like yeah. really eased into even like the language I used around it was very yeah. like. I did not have the courage to be that straightforward about it for like a long time. Um, and so I'm just like, wow, that took, that would I have taken a lot. That. I, I don't know though. I would, I would say that I don't know that it's courage. I think it's just understanding. Like mm. it took me a long time to understand that sentence. Mm. Like there was a lot of um, back and forth. I, I don't know. I guess I say that because I don't want you to feel ever like you're not courageous because you can't vocalize it. Like you are just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, everyone, everyone has to do it in their own way. I think, I think it's such a scary thing to do in the first place. So however you go about it, I do think is courageous, but like for me that like listening to that from my perspective, I'm like, Ooh, that was brave to say it that way. Cause like, for me, it was very like, I was so delicate with like, cause I, you know what it was for me was like, I felt like once I say the words that black and white, like there's no going back. And so I really needed to be like, yeah, I think, you know, I don't think I have a good relationship. I'm like taking a break and seeing how it goes. I'm not drinking right now. Like that was how I had to ease myself into it. Cause like the alternative felt so final. I so agree. And I went through that too. Mm -hmm. I think two things can be true at the same time where it can be scary because it's final or it can be a relief because it's final. Like I felt like once I made my mind up 
And once I was ready to admit it and say it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like it rolled off my tongue. It was like yeah. up in my throat. It was not because I knew if I say it. Um, and also, I guess now with a lot, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. If anybody's scared to say it, it doesn't mean that it's final and sobriety isn't linear. And just because yeah. you say it doesn't mean you have to, that your next step has to be never drinking again for the rest of your life. Yeah, it, true. It's just really the power I feel like I felt from it was, oh my God, none of this is crazy making anymore. Here's the reason why. Mm. Here's the reason. Now, I don't know what I could do necessarily to to solve that quote problem or to I don't know, give you another solution, but I felt like if I can say it, then I can label it. And that's that's the only amount of control I have is mm. to say what I think is true. That's the only amount of control I felt like I had in that situation. And it was so empowering to take that bit of control and label and admit. I don't even know if admit is the right word, just like share mm-hmm. um I don't know I guess I get caught up in my head sometimes because I'm like admit all the wording that we have surrounding like alcohol misuse and substance misuse is like it puts you in the state of guilt and shame. yeah there's a lot of shame like, attached to a lot not, of the language I guess you're not really there. admitting anything you're just like sharing it's yeah it's nothing that you're just you're, like, stating from other people you're, yeah I mean, most of the time people probably know and <laughs> Like, and if it is surprising, like, great, then you're, thank God you're sharing and you're more insightful than other people who are observing you, you know? Was that the response that you kind of got outside of, um, like you and Sarah Mm -hmm. from other people in your life? Were people pretty like receptive to it? Um, I kept it really close to my chest for a while. Mm, Okay. Um, it's the beauty of getting sober in a pandemic, right? Total beauty. (laughs) I was so lucky to experience the ability to not have to go into a work a work at like a restaurant and be surrounded by booze I like I really was in just a prime situation Mm -hmm. um when I did tell people I got uncomfortable support (laughs) like okay meaning they're like Assuming that something really bad had happened and, um, okay, uh uh-huh, 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 like the, let's go right past that, or the opposite, which was, oh, my God, why? Yeah. Why? What happened? What are, it goes back to this whole toxic relationship thing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Of like it's needing like to hit can... a rock bottom. Something terrible has to happen. Totally. You break up with somebody. Somebody's like, oh my God, why? what they do? Yeah. Um, And then I had just these really interesting people not to get like too like into how they relate to me, friend, family, whatever. But mm-hmm. I called somebody and told them that I had been not drinking for like three months and I was really Mm -hmm. proud of it and I was kind of nervous to tell them because I know that they also drink Mm -hmm. and we had talked about how you know the benefits of stopping drinking would be and they were like you are too young to do that you are way Mm -hmm. too young to not be drinking 
Wow. What are you doing right now? Come on, take a shot with me over the phone. <gasps> and oh my I was God. so like, I don't know what it was that that didn't completely make me go, oh, here's an out. Let me go drink. But I guess I was so like clear. I don't even know how, but that it was not my issue. It was theirs. Mm-hmm. And I had not to that extreme, but I had a few responses from people who were very close to me, give me that kind of energy. Yeah. But I think, I think, look, everyone is so scared of what people are going to say to them when they share, when they choose to Mm -hmm. tell people that that's the choice that they've taken. I came head fucking front with some of the most scary responses that you would go, what am I going to do? And I do think that even if that had made me, that had triggered me and made me go take the shot over the phone, I do feel like I have the confidence in myself that I would have picked myself back up. Mm -hmm. And I also think if I would have allowed those scenarios to stop me from attempting to stop drinking, if I had let the fear of, well, what am I going to do when that happens stop me, I wouldn't be sitting here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I overcame it and it wasn't yeah. a factor and I had the tools in my toolkit to just roll past it did it make me feel certain ways of course but of course. it didn't make me go take the shot of tequila over the phone and it didn't make me want to throw anything to the side to try to appease this one person who thought that my thoughts weren't valid and my choices weren't mm-hmm. valid mm-hmm. So I guess like the lesson that I would learn from that is all of these worst case scenarios that you think in your head, maybe they'll happen, but maybe it won't impact you or maybe yeah, you can survive them. And guess what? You're more knowledgeable mm-hmm. like you, you know, the, the knowledge that you gain from going back to drinking and then taking yeah. a step it is like a salsa for a lot of people. It's the two steps and the one step back. I think that's how you salsa, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, like, no, like for sure. It it really is like that gave me my clarity. Totally. Um, but what a funny narrative of like, you're too young to quit drinking. Cause I struggled with that. Like I, how old were, I was 27 when I quit. I think I was 26. Let's see. I'm okay. Eight now. Wait. So I yeah. I just I'm turned 26. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like telling my mom, like, I don't know, I've still got some of my twenties left. Like maybe this is too soon, maybe like whatever. And meanwhile, you have people who are 50 getting sober saying you're so lucky you started so young. Right. I know. Like, is it too late for me? Like there's always gonna, you can always blame it on being too old or too young or whatever. Like to me, I'm just like doing it younger means like, oh my God, what a gift. How much worse could it have gotten? Oh, I know. Like, am I going to just wait until life gets so much worse than it already is? It's already bad enough if I'm thinking about doing this, right? I know. There's this book that I read uh, called Alan Carr's The Easy Way to Quit Drinking. And this sentence that he has in this book, like I should read it, but I'll just kind of paraphrase. If you really break down all of the words that you use to describe what you're doing when you're drinking to like the extent that you're drinking, like they're like hammered, wasted, and you really are wasted. You're yeah. wasted. That day is wasted. That night is wasted. And the you next can't day is wasted. Exactly. Yeah. So 100%. why would you aim to identify as a wasted person? 
So when you think about, oh my gosh, I have the rest of my 20s, like totally I thought about that. Mm-hmm. But I look back now and I'm like, thank God, because I would have wasted I'm like, this has been the best 20s. part of my 20s. Yeah. Like, I would have wasted part. it being wasted. Yeah. So yep. it's actually more of a celebration if if that's somebody's like hiccup and hurdle. And also, I guess it's just, it's super valid to like weigh all of these fears and options. Like, I think if you are thinking of it and you are considering not drinking, becoming sober, whatever that path looks like for you, like if you are considering it and worrying about the outcome, I think you're already on the right path because it means you're actually considering it. It's not a flippant thought. Mm -hmm. And you know, I sit here and my story might sound like very, um, I woke up and I decided not to drink and I haven't, and my partner didn't either, but there are so many layers that we experience through that and triggers and thoughts and working through feeling like we should just throw it out the window. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I, I think, It's why you have the conversations you have and I have the conversations I have to just be really Mm -hmm. honest about the trials and the kind of speed bumps that people face and the successes that people get to experience as well. Mm -hmm. Because, I don't know, I think it's just an overwhelming thing for a lot of people to think about. And the more that we're honest about, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you're going to feel a lot of things and you just have to ride it through. Yep. And yeah. here are tools to do that, then the easier it is to approach. Oh my God. So good. And I realized that you have such a busy day and I've already kept uh, you later than oh my gosh. No <laughs> later way. than we were going to. No, okay. And I could easily make this a three hour episode because I, I feel like we like I'm like I have 80,000 other things I could ask you and talk to you about. So I, I feel like I want to have you back on because oh there's gosh, so many yes. other places we can go. I know. But before before we go, I need to hear about what you're doing now. So tell me about clear headed. Yes. If you have t- if you have time to kind of get into like even the history of starting clear headed and then tell yes. me about the pop up shop you're doing for dry January. Yeah. So why I have like no makeup on and I'm just not that it's about makeup. I just am have been tired because I'm working a a pop-up shop for my brand called Clearheaded, which is your mm-hmm. guide to sober care. When you're, you know, not drinking, you deserve to have a routine that nourishes and feels as luxurious as your 10 step skincare routine. Um yeah. and that's what Clearheaded is. It's your guide to your sober care routine because I really do, just like we've talked about, everybody's story is so different. And that mm-hmm. difference follows through in how you stay sober and stay not drinking and build a factual life about being a Mm non-drinker. The pop-up that's happening is at Platform LA in Culver City. I wish you could fly out to be there. Oh my God. I wish I could too. Uh, I so wish I could. buy a ticket. Honestly, anyone listening? (laughs) (laughs) Please. Feel free. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'll give you something. (laughs) something um so that's happening through the month of january it might extend into february stay tuned on that but Mm -hmm. um it's everything that you need to have a linear linear dry january so good really good quitlet we have journals we have really good candles to burn which some people are like why do you have candles i'm like because it's a different way to get lit you know, (laughs) i love it treat yourself and and candles are a big part of mine actually yeah It doesn't have to just be, you know, 
classes or or books. It could be all of the things that you get to enjoy in place mm-hmm. of the cost of a bottle of tequila every week or couple of days in my case. Yeah. Um, glassware. We also have an incredible selection of our favorite non-out beverages from Boisson, um, which is a non-out bottle shop. And if you use code clearheaded, um, when you purchase off their website, you'll get free shipping. So Ooh, go love do that. that. You'll we're I'm hoping to build e-com on our website and I might even do an app in the next like three to four months. So oh my God, amazing. there's a lot. Stay tuned. Um, and follow along at clearheaded.co on Instagram. And I'm Kate Madry on Instagram as well. C-A-I-T-M-A-D-R-Y. Woo. Oh, amazing. And listen to Clearheaded Podcast as well. (laughs) No, I was going to ask you to plug. So that was perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Yes. Clearheaded Podcast. Hopefully by the time this episode airs, there will be new episodes released. You know, girl, it's a hustle. It (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) But the conversations are so good. And you can listen to my conversation with you yeah uh, that one's out there already it's up yeah yeah fun oh my gosh thank you so much for coming on I seriously could have like I could have keep kept talking to you for hours and hours I love this conversation we have to have a visit and just I think so talk forever (laughs) a hundred percent oh well let you get to your crazy 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 month day so fun pop-up shop and I can't wait to keep following along and seeing what you're up to next much i am happiest sober yes yes (laughs) happiest sober and clear-headed yes (laughs) thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode then be sure to share it with a friend share it on social media make sure you follow along with what kate's doing so follow her on instagram at clearheaded.co and at kate madry And of course, follow me on Instagram at Happiest Sober and at Happiest Sober Podcast. And please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. I will chat with you next week. Remember that life is happiest when you're sober. Bye. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.